you know, um, I'm, our message is on the 21 days of prayer, and, and we're, we're, I'm ending this series, 21 days of prayer. And I feel like that the, the, the message of prayer has already been spoken. Uh, before we even got up here, and, 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 and the whole thing, that prayer activates something. Yeah. It activates something in your life. Whatever that is for you, prayer will activate it. Um, and I was so excited, like, um, seeing even... So that was my son who came up there who had the uh, moon boot off. Uh, and so we've just, we just been to the Gold Coast. We've went to a conference. I know it's a tough place to go for a conference. And uh, we landed like 11.30 last night. By the time we got home, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and I got up this morning going through my messages on your phone, as it does, just goes crazy. And my son Samuel messaged me, like, apparently he sent it at 12.05 in the morning as I was traveling back to Hamilton. And I said, Dad, my, my, my leg has gotten worse. And, uh, and to see him up here taking it off, it's, you know, prayer activates something. It activates something. Because when you declare a thing, when you declare a thing in the name of the Lord, come on, you just watch what happens. I'm just going to get straight into the message. The title of my message, well, I was going to call it drunk. Drunk. Do you know, have you ever seen somebody drunk before? Have you ever been drunk before? Then put your hand up. So this message is about being drunk. Uh, in fact, I, I um, actually, the, the, uh, I've decided to give it a more of a spiritual name rather than drunk, so I'm calling it Under the Influence. <laughs> under the Influence. <laughs> so, if you'd like to be under the influence, turn with me to the book of Samuel, First Samuel. Oh, Samuel, my son Samuel, where is he? He walked up here today. He was under the influence today. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Now, Hannah was married to a man called Elkanah, and he had two wives, Penina and Hannah. Now, Penina was able to have children, but Hannah couldn't. So Penina would provoke Hannah, say, so, oh, you can't have kids. You've got to understand that back in those days in the Middle East, if you're a woman, your purpose in life was to, your main purpose was to produce children. Was to produce children. Because it's very important for you to produce children. Not only do you keep the family line going, but also you provide children who will then provide for the family. There was no social welfare or, or wins program going on there. Your family was the social welfare, your family was the winds, your family supported one another. It wasn't like, okay, now you're all, we're putting, moving off to some retirement home. No, we're going to look after you. And this is, a biblical, this is a biblical principle. We're going to look after you. We're not going to put you somewhere we're going to forget about you. And, this was, and, and so here's Hannah. Can you imagine how she felt? One purpose, your main purpose as a wife was to produce. She couldn't. Have you ever felt that you were a failure? You ever felt that? You ever felt like you weren't living up to the expectation of what society says you should be doing? You, you, maybe your parents were successful in whatever they did, and for whatever reason, you're not. And you just feel, well, I've failed. I haven't got what it takes. Or maybe where you are in life right now, you expected more, but you're, 
but you're nowhere near that. And we, sometimes we look at our parents and we think, well, when they were this age, they were successful in these areas, but here I, here, here's me, I'm still, I'm still renting. I'm still, I'm still in the same place. I'm still in debt. Maybe I haven't got what it takes. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Something went wrong in my life. Maybe you're suffering from depression. You know what I love about this story? This is about a woman who suffered with depression. Even people in the Bible suffered with depression. You're not alone. You are not alone. In fact, most people, uh, in fact, I heard an interesting statistic, in fact, from, from our pastoral care pastor, PJ, she said that like 60% of people in this country suffer from depression of some kind. 60%, that's a lot of people. That's a lot more than I thought. And if you may be suffering from depression right now and you think you're the only one, let me tell you it, uh, that, that you're amongst friends and you're amongst God and there's a woman in the Bible who knows exactly how you feel. Her name is Hannah. You are not alone. This went on for year after year, and whenever Hannah went up, went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Have you been there before? So depressed that you couldn't eat. Have you ever been to a place where you just didn't want to get out of bed? You just want to stay there. Just filled with misery. I don't know how long Hannah felt like this, but every year they would go to Shiloh to the house of the Lord and worship. Hannah would go because this was her duty. She did it out of duty. If you're American, it's duty. But she did it out of duty. Where's Sarah? Is that right? Am I saying that right? Oh, no, I'm not. She's shaking her head. Okay, just keep going. I'll stop preaching on this side. And she'll go out of duty. Maybe some of you turned up to church this morning because you did it out of duty. Or maybe it was, it's a tradition, it's what our family does. You know, she would turn up to Shiloh, but she wasn't really there. Have you been there before? You've, you've turned up somewhere, but you weren't there. Your mind was somewhere else. She would show up year after year after year filled with bitterness, failure, not good enough. And the last place she wanted to be was in church. Maybe you've turned up to church this morning and last thing you want to do was worship. Last thing you want to do was be around other people who seem to be joyful and you're not. Why is he so happy? Why am I the only one not being happy here? Have you ever felt like that? Turn up to church? I don't want to be around happy people. I'm not happy. I want to stay in bed and be miserable. Misery. Verse 8, it's classic. Classic husband line. Classic husband line. Her husband, Alkanah, would say to Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Aren't I more important than your worries? Wife? Your husband? Don't worry about it. Aren't I more important than that? Look, I love you anyway. How do I look in these? Does it really matter? I love you anyway. Anyway, okay. verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, I love this. Hannah stood up. There's a time in your life when you're, I don't know what happened with Hannah. She's in a place where she was depressed. She didn't want to, she was miserable. She didn't want to be anywhere. 
But there comes a time when you need, you need to stand up. You've been lying down for too long. You've been in your misery for too long. And it's time to stand up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house in her deep anguish. Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. See, God can handle your misery. God can handle your pain. You know, sometimes as believers, as if you're a Christian or a believer here, sometimes we feel like, oh, I shouldn't be miserable. I shouldn't be sad. I shouldn't be depressed. Because, sh- you know, if God's given me the victory, you know, and, and, and I've overcome all things, I shouldn't feel like this. And, and I've got to put on a brave face. I've got to take a heart and uphill and just turn up. You ever felt like that? I can tell you a story of someone, but anyway, I won't go there. I'll tell you anyway. Hello, I'll tell you. This has got nothing to do with what I'm, what I'm speaking about. I'm going to tell you anyway. The Spirit of God is upon me. Now, I've, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Because I, I, I suffered a real bad injury. Like, I ruptured the disc, uh, lower disc in my back. And, and basically, it ruptured. And all the gel that's in your disc squirted out. And your, your, your nerves, they, they just dangle there. They're not touching anything. And it's kind of protected. And it squirted and it compressed my nerve against against my spine, and basically I was in tremendous pain. And according to the MRI eye scan that I had, it said that I needed needed emergency surgery because there was a good chance that I won't be able to walk, let alone the the lower half of my body won't have uh, do any kind of functions, which is very important for me. And um, (laughs) for anybody, uh, to walk, you know, to walk, come on, anyway. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I really love my wife. Um, and I was in pain. I was like, and I got to a point where it crescendoed and, and it ruptured. And, and I was lying, on, I, was, I was in so much pain, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't move. And, and they tried to take me to a hospital, but I, I, was, I was in so much pain. The only position where that, that, that the pain was bearable enough was when I was lying on my stomach, tensing my whole body. And I said to Paul, you got to ring the ambulance, you got to ring them up. And they rung, and because I wasn't dying, they pretty much said, take a heart and uphill, see how you go. That's what they said to me. And, and I hadn't had my scan, and I wish I could tell the operator, I almost couldn't walk, and, but you just told me to take a heart and uphill. And I was laying there, and anyway, uh, one of our good friends, John Booth, turned up to a house around lunchtime, and I was in pain. And I was lying there, and I, and, my, and I was just thinking, oh no, what's going on with my body? He turns up, hey look, I just want to come and pray for you. He just prayed for me, put, just put his hand down, and he just said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for healing uh, for ants. I just pray, Lord, take, just pray, uh, take away his pain, Lord, and, and well, I know you love him. And he goes, okay, mate, I'm going to go now. Okay, see you later. I'm like, yeah, okay, mate, see you later. And he goes. It was, like a, it was almost like a throwaway prayer. You ever had a throwaway prayer? You pray for somebody. Hey, you're going through something. Let me pray for you. Lord, help them. Amen. God bless you. See you later. You know? It was almost like that. But I was laying I was laying on my stomach, and, and, I was, and after one hour, I'm laying there, and it, then it dawned on me. I don't feel any pain. And then, and then I got off, and I got onto my hands and knees. No pain. Then I stood up. No pain. I sat down. No pain. I jumped up and down. 
no pain. And you know, I got healed that day. God healed me. In fact, when I had a, when I went the back surgeon rung me, I told him I'm healed. I've been healed, I've been prayed, and I've walked up the hucks and I've did a 5k walk, and he was going, he, was, he just blew his mind. And when the the, the health insurance, I told him, go, what treatment did you get? I got prayer. And they go, you got prayer? This is weird. And they're typing it down. He got prayer, you know. Um, but you know, prayer activates something. Prayer activates something. You know, prayer is power. You know, my, my body tells me that because I'm still here. I'm still jumping up and down. I'm still down. I, you know, I could have I I lost all feelings below, which is very important for all of us, okay? Let me just say that. But prayer activates something. You can't just take a heart and up pill. She'll be right, right, mate. Come on, God can handle your misery. Oh, don't just keep it to yourself. God can handle your misery. But if you will look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. What I love about this is that, are you willing to give up your breakthrough? She's praying for a breakthrough and said, but Lord, if you grant me this breakthrough, I'm gonna give it away. I will give away this. Some of you are praying for your finances. Are you willing to give that away? Oh, oh. It sounded nice in the Bible, but in practical God, like the practical terms, I don't know. It's, it's nice and romantic here, but when we work, walk this out, what? If, if for me to, oh Lord, I want to break through my finances, give it away. No, no, Lord, I need more money, not give it away. No, you want more? I'll give it away. Prayer activates something. See, there's a, you know, there are blessings in your life that will only come when you ask. When you ask. It's okay to have selfish prayers. Sometimes we think, why would God listen to prayers about what I want? Isn't it, hasn't he got more things to worry about, like tsunamis, like, like uh, people dying? Why would he listen to my prayer. You know, God wants to hear your prayer because God wants to get involved in your life. And you know, nothing comes unless we ask. Don't say no's for anybody. You know, sometimes we don't ask somebody. Maybe you're struggling in your finances, your marriage or whatever it is, and we're too afraid to ask for help because they might say no. Don't say somebody's no for them. And quite often we say our no's to God. That God will say no, so why would I ask? You know, you'll never get unless you ask. Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but, the, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Has anybody ever thought you were drunk? And said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. How long are you going to stay under the influence? How long are you going to stay under the influence of something that is not of God? How long are you going to stay in that place? It's time to put that thing away. Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 15, no, sir, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who was deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. And get this, this is, do not miss this next, this next line she says. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Now, the reason why you're not being filled by God right now is because God can't fill you because you're full of yourself. 
You're full of your unforgiveness towards somebody. You're full of control. I've got to control everything. God says, come on, are you, are you willing to pull that out? You're full of anger. Are you, are you prepared to pull that out? You're full of not trusting. What is it in your life that you're so full of that it's stopping God from moving? Are you willing to pour it out? Because God wants to begin to fill you, but he can't fill you if you're filled with self, self-pride, self-control. Come on. It's time to let go and let God. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. You know, Eli thought she was drunk. You know what I have observed from drunk people? Have you seen drunk people before? <laughs> have you seen the way they act? Or maybe you've, you've been that person. I remember one time I was in Queens, Queen Street, Auckland. There's this drunk person that comes out of a bar, stags out of the bar like this. And, and if they just walk, they walk across the road. They don't even look where they're walking. They just stagger around. If you know Queen Street, downtown Auckland, nighttime, it's always going. Things that happen, that road is nonstop. And they, and, they stag, and they walk across the road and they get hit by a car. They hit the ground. And I say, oh no, this person's gone. All of a sudden, he's got movement. This drunk person gets back up, turns to the person who just hit them with the car and he goes, I'm good. And then they just keep going. They keep going. See, even drunk people get back up after an impossible situation. How much so should the woman of God, the man of God, who is under the influence of the Spirit of God, get back up through an, un, un, uh, through an impossible situation in your life? You'll be knocked down. But when you allow the, the Spirit of God begin to fill you, Come on, it's time to get back up. It's time to pick yourself up. It's begin to stand up and go before God. I remember um, the story of, of, a, of a guy by the name of Paddy. He's Irish. And Paddy was drinking in his Irish pub because, you know, this is what Irish people drink, right? In an Irish pub. And, but he drank so much that the bartender told him to go home. He says, Paddy, go home. You're too drunk. And Paddy's go, I'm not drunk. And he goes, go home, Paddy. So Paddy turns around off his seat and he goes to take a step and goes flat on his face he pulls himself up back on the bar and he goes to take another step and and so he crawls to the door just crawls to the door gets to the door pulls himself up on the, on the handle of the door pulls himself back up opens the door takes another step and flat on his face literally crawls all the way back home into his bed and his wife his wife wakes him up the next day and goes Paddy Paddy you've been drinking Paddy no I haven't been drinking I'm just trying to do an Irish accent here, so hopefully, yeah, you know, my great-great-grandmother was born in Ireland, so I, I think I can say this. <laughs> Patty, you've been drinking, Patty. No, I haven't been drinking. He goes, I know you've been drinking. He goes, how do you know I've been drinking? The pub called you, you left your wheelchair there. Come on. Even drunk people believe in miracles. How much so than a man or woman filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on, God wants to change your atmosphere. You've been in an atmosphere of disbelief. You've been in an atmosphere of depression. God's gonna change that. He's gonna turn it around. Come on, God is about to bring a miracle. Come on, let's be filled. 
of the Spirit of God. You know, another thing, I remember another story of this drunk guy in Queen Street. You know, the, oh no, I've been to Queen Street too many times. And he's, this drunk guy's walking down the street, staggering. This nun is coming the other way. And the nun comes before this guy. And he's, he's, he sees the nun and goes, his eyes just go wide. And he walks up to the nun. And then the nun takes a step here and he steps this side. And the nun tries to step this side and he steps the other way. He just wouldn't let the nun pass. And the nun's just staring at him. And then all of a sudden, this drunk guy goes and he punches her in the nose. And, the, and she's got blood pouring down everywhere from her nose. And this drunk guy goes, and you think you're tough, Batman. <laughs> See, even drunk people believe that the impossible is possible. How much so can a man or woman filled with the Spirit of God will know that the impossible is possible? See, too many drunk people. Come on, it's time to be filled with the Spirit of God. God's about to change your atmosphere. Your, your atmosphere of anger, atmosphere of control, your atmosphere of pride, your atmosphere of, of um, disbelief. Come on, God's about to bring a miracle. Come on, be filled with the Spirit of God. The prayer of the righteous availeth much. What I love about this, this whole the story there is that, is that Hannah did have a child and, and his name was Samuel. And she gave up her breakthrough, gave, gave her breakthrough back to the church. It's like, imagine you making a vow like that and then you turn up the church to, here you go, Pastor Ann. Someone's going, oh yeah, I did my time. Okay, um, here's my child. She gives away her breakthrough. She gave away her breakthrough because she knew if God could do it once, God can do it again. Come on, you've had breakthrough in your life and right now you feel like you're in a drought. God has done it once, He's gonna do it again. Come on, be filled with the Spirit of God. It's time to empty yourself. So I'm getting rid of, the, of, my, of my selfish desires. I'm getting rid of, of, of unbelief. I'm getting rid of, of unforgiveness. Come on, there's too many people in this room who have unforgiveness on your life. Come on, it's time to let go and let God. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with His, His presence. Fill you with his love. Come on. Keep on keeping on. You know, um, Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he begins to teach us that, that famous prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He begins to teach us this prayer. But in the book of Luke, after he teaches this prayer, he then begins to say this in verse 9, chapter 11, verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking. And, and I chose the New Living Translation because it's a great translation of this verse because some translation will say, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. But the Hebrew word behind this is what when Jesus was saying, he was saying, keep on asking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. You, you see, some of us in this room, you've stopped praying. You stopped asking. Don't give up. Come before God. God, I'm pouring it out. I'm coming before you with my anguish. I'm going to ask. Come on. If you, if, you, if you own a business, ask, may God bless your business indeed. Come on. Don't feel that you're selfish. Come on. God wants to be involved in your business. 
Come on, if you're studying, ask the Lord, help me. Lord, I just pray for, uh, for breakthrough in my study practice. Come on, ask my finances. Lord, I ask for more finances. Lord, I pray, enlarge my territory. Come on, the prayer of Jabez. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my faith. Come on, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. You have a good, good Father who loves you. But God can't give unless you ask. Unless you ask. So my prayer for you, my hope for you, is that you'll keep on asking. If you have a little bit of faith, if you have a little bit of courage, a little bit of strength, a little bit of hope, God will bring a breakthrough. See, hope is the push you need. P-U-S-H, push. Is the push you need. And push is an acronym for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Come on, God's gonna move. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep on keeping on. Keep pushing through. Come on, begin to change your atmosphere. Come on, begin, begin to change the atmosphere of praise. In fact, you're in here this morning. Something was shifting in you because the atmosphere was shifting around you. Come on, if you wanna change your situation, do something about it. Don't just hope, hope for something. In fact, don't just pray something and do nothing about it. Do something. See, Hannah decided to focus on God and His provision rather than focusing on her unchanging circumstances. Many, many times we just focus on our unchanged, unchanging circumstances. Whatever you focus on, you get more of. If you focus on your unchanging circumstances, guess what you're going to see? You're on changing circumstances. But when you begin to focus on a God who loves you, begin to focus on a God who, who provides your need, guess is what guess what you're gonna see? A God who loves you, a God who's gonna provide, a God, and you begin to shift the atmosphere. Come on. And God wants to do something in your life. Prayer activates something. 